Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner in studio here with Adam Hanson and Cody Beeson. And uh, today we're going to talk about the 1% of the issues that don't get talked about uh, in the mainstream media or even in your little probably uh, social media networks that uh, you follow because they're not sensational. And fear sales, um, also controversy sales, and what we want to focus on is all the other news that's out there that, that isn't profitable to, to talk about, but is nonetheless very important and uh, relevant to our lives. One of the things, of course, is the drought here in the West. And it has to do with the drying up of the Colorado River. So, Cody, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of um, the levels at Lake Powell and Lake Mead and how they're at 25% of their normal capacity or their total capacity? Uh, well, I, I mean, from knowing what we know from the show, I mean, I, I know that how unfair our position is from, you know, the, the compact that happened 100 years ago. So I think of the uh, unjust situation that we're sitting in with having to rely on California to um, reduce their water consumption entirely before, or us depleting our water consumption before California touches theirs. So I think of how unfair that situation is. Um, that's the first thing that come to mind. But we live in Yuma. We live on the border. We should know this, you know? Right. And we live in a, in a desert. Yeah, yeah. So if, if we don't have the Colorado River flowing by us and having access to it to irrigate our farms nonetheless turn on the tap and have some drinking water um then there's it's, it's unsustainable i mean it's the reason we're here right well, without a doubt agriculture is the reason we're here and i i find it funny when people are upset because they have a, a, a tractor that they're behind it makes them late for work it's like that tractor is the reason we live in yuma well and it's honestly it's the reason that we're able to live and eat in america thank you yeah yeah no kidding so a lot of people, you know, as they're watching the news headlines of this, I'm seeing headlines all the way from India to, you know, the BBC and then the local news that says, hey, we're in this terrible drought and, and, and Colorado River is drying up. Now, there's no question that we're in a drought um, and that the water levels at Lake Mead and Lake Powell, which are the largest reservoirs in North America, are at historic lows. But the question is why and what can we do about it? So here's the long and the short of it. There's been about 15% less precipitation in the upper Colorado Basin. So we're talking about Utah and uh, Colorado, where all the water um, stems from, or at least 93% of the water for the Colorado River comes from. And uh, so there's been a drought there, but it's it's about a 15% less in precipitation over the past 10 years. And so what that has resulted in is the reservoirs they go down and and we think well okay 15 percent less the reservoir should be 15 percent less because if we were really trying to treat this and and be uh smart about how we use our water we would reduce the water uses based on on the level of drought that we're in now arizona has reduced its water usage in uh, 2022 just in August this year, uh, the water restrictions were imposed that it only uses now, uh, I think it's 74% of the regular water allotted that, that it, 
it could use from the Colorado River. That's that's quite a bit less, you know, than it normally uses. And uh, that's huge. Can you imagine saving a quarter? You know what a uh, saving a quarter would do in, in your practice or or anything? Like that's a huge number. It, it, it's a huge number. Yeah, but the levels continue to go down, and the question is why? Uh, what's going on if we're reducing our our use so much, why do the water levels go down unless we're in this excessive drought, unless the drought is actually worse than 26%. And the reason is because we're not the only ones pulling from the Colorado River. Mexico pulls 1.5 million acre feet, and uh, California actually pulls the majority of the lottage for the the lower basin of the Colorado River basin. It, It pulls about 60%. And that's where the real problem comes in, because California, up until now, has not reduced the amount that it is pulling from the Colorado River at all, zero, even though they are the loudest out there for saying how well they're doing in water conservation. They are using the Colorado River to supply their water needs and their natural water resources, which they actually have quite a bit, they're allowing to flow directly into the ocean. And so we are suffering and and being restricted more than possibly sustainable, while California is getting all the credit for water preservation and using the exact same amount of water that it used 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and even more than it had used 20 years ago. So what's the solution there? If, if each state would reduce proportionately its share of allocation of water, then the reservoirs would be sustained. In fact, they would go back up. If there was a 20% reduction for all the lower basin states, so that, that includes New Mexico, Arizona, California, and also Mexico, right? And if they reduced the allocation or the amount of water that they took from the Colorado River by 20%, even in these years of drought, the reservoirs would refill. And historically, we've gone through years of drought like this. Not even in, I'm not talking about 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. And the reason I bring up 1,000 years is because when we hear about these stories in the media, um, the headline is that we're in the worst drought of it. A thousand years, right? And I, I find that interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, um, it, it seems apocalyptic, right? That that that's a really really bad drought. A thousand years that catches my attention. And number two, how the heck do we know a thousand years ago? Um, and so you go back and you look a little bit, you dig into those articles, and what I found is publications that have been done by a, a ninety-seven member committee for. Um, the government actually put together some studies, the University of Colorado, of which I'm an alumni, and I, I studied water law there. Um, I was a political scientist uh, major in Colorado State University, and water law was a big issue there. And when I was studying it, they had a lot of people focusing on the water and uh, obviously how we could preserve the amount that was being stored in the reservoirs to make sure that the drought would affect the people the least amount possible. And what I found out is that we can tell how much water was flowing through the river up to about 650 years ago with some level of accuracy because of the sediment on the rocks and because of the um, the rings on the trees. Even these trees, you know, there's no trees that are along the Colorado River that are 650 years old, but there are fossilized trees 
And uh, so you look at those and you can get a, a fairly accurate reading of how much water flowed through. And what they found is about every, now it, it's not consistent, but about every 40 years, uh, there is a drought and only about 12.5 million acre feet will go through the Colorado River. And uh, currently we, we have allocated between the upper basin and the lower basin states, 15.5 million acre feet. So we're, we're over allocating. We're over allocating, yes. The average is about 14.6. So we're, we're, we're nearly over allocated by a million acre feet of water than the, the normal water flow. And so these dams that we've built up, we built them up for two purposes. One is to provide water, the same amount of water that we need during dry years so we can you know, have something in store. And, and number two, for the hydroelectric power that it provides, it's very clean power. In fact, four million people rely on the power from uh, the Hoover Dam alone. So the thing is, why are the dams so low? Why are we facing the risk of potentially shutting down the Hoover Dam? Why is it producing 40% less power now than it was five years ago? And the answer is, because we're taking more water out, obviously, than is going in. And the result of that, the result of our inability to address this problem appropriately is making it look catastrophic. And that's what makes the headlines. The headlines isn't a small change here or a small modification there or equal allocation between California, Arizona, New Mexico, even Nevada. But Nevada takes a very small portion of the Colorado River. Um, would actually resolve this problem and allow these reservoirs to fill back up. What sells is Lake Mead's drying up, and it's because of global warming, and it's because we're putting too much carbon dioxide in the air, and therefore we are killing the earth. And we need to stop drilling for oil. We need to stop all oil production, and then the earth will heal itself, and the river flows will potentially come back to normal, or maybe it's too late. Maybe we just need to... Um, be okay with the concept that the West is drying up and, and we're going to live in a desert landscape for now on. Um, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's a management issue. It's absolutely a management issue. In fact, it hasn't been too far back in history. Um, in the 70s, there was a significant drought. And it, w it was actually more significant than the drought that we're incurring right now. The difference was the big metropolitan areas and um, a lot of the agriculture in the central Arizona project hadn't been developed yet. And so we weren't using the water that normally came through the Colorado River. So we were using a, a smaller proportion of the Colorado River. And uh, so the reservoirs were able to be sustained during that period of time. And that's exactly what they're there for. They're there to basically, it's a reservoir. That's the whole, right. you know, I, I don't know how more, how much more clear we can make this. But um, we didn't face that type of decline in the water levels because we didn't need the water back then. And then what it turns out is human nature is to, to take as much as you can possibly get. And if you don't have to, you know, conserve or be wise with your use, then you're just going to waste. And so we need to stop wasting for yeah. sure. We need to stop over allocating and look at the the. the pact that we have with the other states and determine what is a real sustainable amount of water that can be allocated to the states and have the reservoirs be constant during years of drought and then allow for more flow during years of excess. 
during uh, the 1980s, there was about 18 million acre feet of water. That's a that's a whole lot more. That's six million more acre feet of water than in the 70s, and so it fluctuates quite a bit. And prior to the Hoover Dam being put in, as well as the other dozen dams that have been constructed along the Colorado River, it, it was nearly impossible to manage agriculture along the lower Colorado River because it was the water was so rapid and the flow was so erratic. And so the settlements were, it was very, very difficult to settle in areas like Page or Kingman or Lake Havasu or Yuma or, you know, uh, Imperial Valley because the water flow was just, you couldn't depend on it. It would either be low and you could start making some irrigation ditches and uh, sometimes it would be filled up and sometimes it wouldn't, or it would be so high that it flood everything out. It'd wipe you out, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so with the, the... the reservoirs being built, we created sustainability over a long period of time. And not only that, but we created how many more thousands of acres of feet of water, surface area of water for animals and wildlife to thrive from this. We also created sustainable habitats for trout and a lot of other fish and species to thrive because the the temperatures of the waters became more consistent. So this is all something that you can handle. And if this was spoken about more on the news and through the media, then maybe we could go forward and say, okay, politicians, let's get back to common sense solutions and sustainability. Well, and that's really it. You hold your representatives accountable. So we don't do that. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about what might be some appropriate solutions and, and what is the real problem? What really is going on with Colorado River? Should we be looking at moving east where there's more, where water's more plentiful, or are, is there a potential that we can stay here and and hope for the rains to return and the Colorado River and reservoirs to rise back up? We'll be back. This is 560 AM KBOU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. Adam Hansen is sitting across the table from me, as well as Cody Beeson. And uh, the question is, what do we do with this massive drought that we're in? And, and uh, according to the headlines that we're reading, we're in this thousand-year drought. Um, 
the actual science says no, it's not a thousand year drought. Um, in fact, we don't even have a thousand years of, of uh, statistics to go off of to determine whether or not it, it could have been that severe. But we do have about 650 years. And uh, it turns out that throughout that 650 year period, this, this type of drought that we're experiencing right now, which is indeed a drought, I'm not saying that it isn't, but it's actually fairly common. In fact, the last time we experienced it was back in the 1970s. We experienced it again um, in, in a more moderate level um, in the early 2000s. And then there's a, a, another wave that came about and it started about 2013. So between 2008 and 2012, we actually had some fairly wet years. But either way, right now we're in a drought. And Adam, when you hear that, does it ever scare you that... Uh, you know, we live in, in this desert location that is so dependent on the river and the potential of the river drying up and, and therefore destroying the ability for us to, to stay here. Actually, my wife and I, have, we've been talking about this recently. We, we wanted to be in a position where if that were to happen, we could supply our own water. And you, you're well aware of my search for the uh, well drillers here in Yuma. Yeah, how's, how's that going? Not good. Oh. Not good. <laughs> I've expanded my reach over to uh, Casa Grande and then uh, Phoenix area. But I have talked to, it's not that we don't have good well drillers here in Yuma, it's just they, there's only two of them, to my knowledge, you know, that I've talked to. And uh, they are just swamped, so they're months out. So if you drill wells for a living here in Yuma, contact this firm, because you're, you're looking for them. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But the the thing is, is we uh, getting back to what your question was, my wife and I are really concerned about like you mentioned, it, it feels like we're being told that there's a drought, we're in a drought, and then it's going to get worse. And, and so we felt we felt uh, concerned about that to the extent that we wanted to drill a well and then and then install a solar well pump so that we didn't have to rely on power from the grid from APS to power that water source. We would have constant flowing water if we drilled down deep enough. Um, past the typical wells around us. And um, that's been on our mind for quite a while. And it's just been a challenge to actually get it done. And uh, I've had some good conversations with those that drill wells here in Yuma. But like I said, it's not that they are not competent. It's just that they have so much work to do uh, because of the housing boom and things like that. It really put them behind. And then... Um, Things are slowing down now, so hopefully we can get that done. But we want to have, at my household, a source of water that I don't have to rely on the government to give me, meaning I don't have to rely on an APS, which isn't the government, but I, I think of it as an arm of the government because they are so protected, I feel like, over the course of the years with the solar issues that have come up through the legislature. With I, if, It's almost like APS and the Corporation Commission here in Arizona are like married. I don't understand the. I don't understand how that's possible. I don't know how APS gets everything they want through the Corporation Commission's backing, but they have a lot of power. It's almost like a administrative agency of of Arizona. I feel like to a certain extent, not that. I mean, I. It's not that, but it feels like that because we are in my opinion, kind of powerless when it comes to APS. It's like, here's here's power, and you're going to pay this, or you don't get power, and we don't really have a lot to say about that. We could go out and we could start our own co-ops if we wanted to, but that would, that would take quite a bit in our community to do. We'd have to find some sort of energy source, like nuclear, like small nuclear reactors that they're doing up in, in Idaho and, and around the world. They're just starting this technology, um, but it's pretty awesome. They're like the size of a 
a semi. In fact, your brother works for a research facility that actually is developing that type of technology. Yeah, it's developed. They're using it, and uh, they're really safe, and they can power a community like Yuma f- indefinitely uh, with a small little reactor like that. So I've looked into all those those things, but it would take you know a lot of effort um, on behalf of the community and other people and financing to be able to bring in a project like that. And unfortunately, our, our federal government just isn't, I, as much as they push green issues and the green solution to our problems and ailments, they don't, they, they reject nuclear. They've shut down nuclear plants over in California. Palo Verde here in Arizona is always on, it, it's got a target on its back, but it, it, Palo Verde here in Arizona, the nuclear power plant powers not only Arizona, but California, New Mexico, all the way over to Texas, even past Texas. I mean, it, it supplies so much power for the United States. And for it to be shut down would be devastating um, for all of us. And, and there would be huge consequences. But yet the federal government, when they, look, when they say green, green solutions and they're pushing these green deals and things like that, they're talking about solar and wind, but they never include nuclear, which is the most clean out of all alternative energy sources to refined oil. So I don't understand that because of, I think what it is is the, the, the uh, perception that nuclear is incredibly dangerous if it, if it uh, if there's a disaster, and we've seen that over time, but at the same time, those disasters have been minimi- minimized as as technology improves and as um, time moves on. We've learned from past mistakes, and so we put uh, <clears throat> safeguards in place to prepare for a possible disaster. But I mean, if nuclear wasn't safe, it wouldn't be on every submarine and large aircraft carrier. We certainly have figured out how to make it safe and to power, you know, small cities like that. Um, I think what you said earlier about having a monopoly that, that kind of runs that, I don't want to say they run the corporation commission, but they have a lot of influence there, right? When you contribute to the commissioners and, and you know, you, you establish the status quo, you want to keep it that way. I think there's a lot of money in keeping us in that position. And that, that really is to the detriment of the Arizona citizens, because yeah. especially with the, the solar, what really brought it to my attention was years ago on the ballot, we, there was a proposition that we were going to limit. We wouldn't get as many benefits if you put on solar uh, on your house. And so APS was the driver of that. They wanted to limit um, the ability of, of people to put solar on their homes through an alternative source than themselves. And if you were to do that, then you're going to basically be penalized. And to me, that was just like ludicrous. You're going to tell me that if I put solar on my house and I'm taking power off the grid load, that I'm going to be penalized for that. And it's, it's actually saving the environment, you know, according to all these green uh, propositions and things like that. And that's what you're, you're pushing, but yeah, you're going to penalize me. And, and Sean, you were in part of this um, kind of debacle because you had to race. You were putting solar on your house at the time. And I remember you, you mm. would come into the office and you're like, oh my gosh, we got to get this going. We got to get this contract with the solar company before the end of the year because we're going to lose all these credits and all this stuff. And a lot of Arizonans were doing that because of this initiative. And it went through. You know, lo and behold, it did go through. And so I think that's just crazy in the sense that we are in Arizona, the most sunniest place in all the world. We have more sun days in almost all the world. And uh, we're not harnessing that or we get penalized if we do because of APS. And that just that just happens to be our our uh, power provider here in the southwest. But it's also prevalent up in, in the valley, up in Maricopa County. Um, and so what's the solution to that? Well, I don't know. 
you do a co-op, you try and find other energy solutions, you try and go solar yourself privately, get off the grid, which is super expensive. But if you have the money, then that that's something that people can do. And um, when it comes to water, to answer your question, we wanted to be yeah, off. I was going to say, I'm not sure you're in the right career um, because I asked about water and, and now we're, we, we've been talking about solar for the past. <laughs> because to me, they're, to me, the reason why is because they're, they're connected to me. They, they are. The energy and the water are all intertwined. And, and, and it does have to do with regulations that are managed by the government. Because water's fine and dandy, but unless you're going to use a, a pipe and, and uh, some sort of suction maneuver to get that out of the river or get that out of the ground, like manually pump that out, you have to have energy. So that's why I say, that, to me, they're married. When I talk about water and getting it to me, in a, in a way that I don't have to worry about government intervention or, or some sort of middleman, then I think of solar or I think of some sort of energy source, battery source, that I can continually pump water out of the ground or from the river or wherever that water source is without intervention from anybody else. That's why I went off on the rant for power. Well, no, and that's good. And, and I think we all should be looking at the potential of being self-sufficient um, over the short period, but over the long period, no, no man's an island, right? We, we live in a society, and, and in order to thrive, we need to have the whole community thrive. And so if the community doesn't have the water that it needs, then we can't continue to make a living. We, we provide estate planning services for the community. And so if nobody's got money because this becomes a dust bowl, then there's not going to be a lot of planning to do because there's not a lot of states left. And so we want to make sure that not only is, is there a plan for us and our individual families to make it through hardships, but then to broaden that plan and make it a common sense approach that everybody can use and implement on a large scale so we can all thrive together. So when you and your wife talked about it, is it something that keeps you up at night when, when we look at uh, these sensationalized, and I say they're sensationalized because they truly are, stories of the drought level that uh, is right now over California, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, basically what we call the Colorado River Basin, and uh, how low the water levels are. They're historic lows. They've never been as low as they are in Lake Mead and Lake Powell, which are the largest reservoirs. In fact, they're getting so low that if they drop about another 30 feet, then we're not going to be able to run the turbines anymore in the Hoover Dam. And, and what's the 30 feet look like? Are we a year away from that? Are we three months away from that? Do we know? Well, it's, it, that's a great question. It's been dropping so quickly in recent months that we could be anywhere from six months away to three years away if we continue on the same trajectory. But um, the, the things that we're looking at is there's a special, a special water master assigned from the federal government, the Biden administration. Her job is to say if the states can't work together to reduce the amount of water usage, of course, the Hoover Dam is a federal project. And so they can do, they can implement uh, restrictions that are necessary for the Hoover Dam to maintain its function and continue to produce hydroelectricity. We don't want the Hoover Dam shutting down. We certainly don't want the water level to go so low that it doesn't even pass through the turbines at all. And that's what they referred to as Deadpool. Now the water, the, the Hoover Dam just acts as a big cork in the Colorado River. Now, of course, that would allow it to uh, 
raise the levels up a bit, but in the meantime, all the communities downstream are going to be without water and without electricity. And without those two things, you can't survive. That's really interesting. So the federal government has the ability to, I guess, uh, circumvent that 1922 compact. So yeah, there were several compacts, and uh, the original one was in 1922, and they were updated from time to time. The latest one was in the 70s when the Central Arizona Project was initiated, and that's where the big problem comes in. When the Central Arizona Project that um, created a very large canal um, to Maricopa County and Pima County to allow for the the irrigation of the agriculture there, um, California, for some reason, was allowed to impose um, a requirement that Arizona would have to cut off all of the use of the water to the Arizona project, Central Arizona project, before California had to stop using one drop of its allocation. So its current allocation, and in the allocation back then in the 70s as well, California has approximately 50% of the entire allocation of the Colorado River when it comes into the lower basin. Arizona has about 30%. It's actually 31 and 49, but you know, work out the difference. California doesn't want to reduce any of its water usage. Now, no state does, but the thing is, California actually has precipitation of its own. It has reservoirs of its own. It has the ability to um, accumulate that precipitation and use its water for its own crops and, and all the water needs for the metropolitan areas. However, the water in the Colorado River that is sustaining Arizona, Nevada, uh, New Mexico, Mexico, that's being pumped over the Sierra Nevadas or through to give water to California. And it's allowing to pass through and, and buy a lot of Arizona cities and agricultural farms to um, provide for the Imperial Valley. California has the ability, they even have the infrastructure to provide for that own water, but they allow most of that water to flow out of Lake Shasta, which is its biggest reservoir, through the Golden Gate Bridge and into the Pacific Ocean. And the reason they're doing that is because they want to save this, uh, this that you, some people call it a fish, it's, it's more like a minnow, and because they feel like a higher level of fresh water being put into the, the salty water of the ocean is going to help that mineral thrive. Well, let's get our priorities straight here, people. People need to thrive. And there's a whole lot of other animals that are thriving from the Colorado River. So we can't just focus on one species and allow for the annihilation of the rest of us. And that's exactly what's happening. So California could actually reduce the water usage that it takes from the Colorado River and at the very least, it could do it proportionately to Arizona, which gets nearly no precipitation of its own to put into its own reservoirs. It, it does get some. It's about between 7 and 10%, so not much. We, 97% or 93% of it comes from the upper basin from the Rocky Mountains and up in Colorado. We're going to take a break here. This is 560 AM, KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. 
Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner in studio with Adam Hansen and Cody Beeson. We're talking about what's going on in our society. How bad is it? Because right now, it's really hard to keep up to date on the news and stay positive. In fact, I would even argue that it's hard to stay up to date on the news and not get a ulcer. Right. <laughs> because it's just so much bad stuff out there. I don't remember it. Of course, as a kid, I wasn't as involved in, in politics and, and what was going on in the world around me. But it seemed like even if they were talking about a murder that was occurring, they were saying it in a monotone voice. And it wasn't because they were bad newscasters. It was because they were simply broadcasting the news. They weren't filling it with their opinion and sensationalizing it. And I think that's the problem that we've got ourselves in right now. We've got this drought that we're in. And there's 15% less precipitation in uh, the upper Colorado basin, and which r- results in a drought. And if we continue taking more water out of the reservoirs, and I'm talking specifically about more like Lake Powell and Lake Mead, than is flowing into it, then those, those levels are going to go down. And right now they're at 25% of their total capacity. And it looks apocalyptic, and it is apocalyptic. In fact, we're at the point where the turbines are that generate the electricity for four million people are about to shut down. And uh, so is the problem the drought, or is the problem our management of water? What were the reservoirs created for? They were created because in years of drought, we would still be able to have a sustainable amount of water for crops and for usage in everyday life. And if we reduced our water usage by 20%, even in years of drought like this, and I would say that we're in a 50-year drought, because if you look back to the 1970s, we went through a very similar period, a very similar level of precipitation that we aren't going through now. And uh, we went through that just fine, because the needs that were allocated out there, or at least the usage that was being distributed, wasn't as high as it is now. I don't think that we need every drop of water that we're pulling out of the Colorado River. In fact, I know that's not the truth because uh, I have a small farm and I have my ear to the ground a bit on what other farmers are doing. And I know of farmers along the Colorado River that have water rights that are using those water rights on fields that they're, they're not even harvesting. 
And the reason they're doing it is because if they they know that the, the whole government game that if they don't use it, they'll lose it. Like any budget, exactly. Yeah. And and they don't want to do that, so they're wasting water. They're they're pouring out millions. Nah, I don't know if we'd go to millions, but tens of thousands of acre feet of water on fallowed ground, just because they want to show that yes, we still need the water. So in case in the future we do replant we replant the the orange orchard that was there or the hay field that was there, we are are still going to get it because if we don't use it now, then as the state looks to cut. They'll cut us out because we're not using it that year, and that is all backwards. And we, we're giving way too much control to entities that don't really understand number one, private property rights, and number two, common sense fluctuations of the need of water. All right, that really is our problem in Yuma: is we don't use enough water, so we need to um, consume our water so the rest of the state isn't looking at us as a target. Because, you know, we have senior water rights, but if we're not using near our capacity, then other people are going to target us. They're going to target our water, and they have in the past. So those farmers that are, you know, watering fallow ground, that's a good thing because we, we need to use what's allocated for us. And, and I argue, no, that it, it's a bad thing. It's, politically, it's a necessary thing. Right. But politics is what's wrong with most of America, in fact, most of the world. And so what we need to do is only use what we need, and we need to find ways or implement ways. They're, finding it is not the issue anymore. There's so much technology and there's so much innovation out there that allows us to grow just as much or more with the same amount of water, and we just need to implement that. And we need a reason to implement that. So if rather than um, the government saying, okay, you know what, we're going to have to do away with agriculture in all of Pima County, as, or at least as it's um, irrigated through the Central Arizona project, then that that's catastrophic. That's that's billions of dollars of agriculture that is actually not being harvested and not being provided to the the, the people that need all of the things that they produce. Not we're talking about hay, and we're talking about alfalfa, and we're talking about citrus, and we're oh, talking and jobs? about nuts, and we're talking about jobs. We're talking about farms as, as cattle and sheep and goats yeah. and all those different types of things that thrive off of those irrigation systems. And uh, that that's a serious problem. But uh, well, instead of saying, okay, you guys, you're gone. We're, we're going to, you're on, you're on the chopping block, you're gone. Everybody reduce their water by 20% until we can refill the reservoirs, even in the drought years. And there's been a lot of talk that, okay, we got to stop talking that we're in a drought. This is a new normal because of climate change. And so we just have to figure out how to deal with uh, 12.5 million acre feet flowing through the Colorado River, as opposed to what was normally understood to be the flow of 16.5. And that was what was allocated between the upper states of uh, the upper Colorado Basin and the lower states. So what we need to do is simply reduce by a reasonable amount, allow those reservoirs to go back up. Um, I'm fairly confident, of course, nobody is certain, but I'm fairly confident that what has happened over the past 650 years will cycle back through again, and, I, and hopefully it'll happen sooner than later, that uh, the precipitation rates will go back up and we'll get 15 million, 16 million, potentially even 18 million acre feet of water flowing through the Colorado 
again, and uh, the reservoirs will go back up to their the optimal levels and everything will be fine. But until then, we've got to address the world as it is, not as it should be or could be or would be, but as it is. And uh, Arizona has already demonstrated that it is capable of reducing its water usage by 20%. In fact, in 2021, it reduced its water usage by 21%. And in 2022, it was also announced that the Arizona had to take additional water reductions, and it was going to be 26%. So that's tough. And uh, I think it's potentially unsustainable. 20%, I think, is sustainable, and it's enough. 26% is really pushing the envelope, and that, that's a lot. That's a big difference in, in the amount of water that's allocated. And also, California needs to participate in this. California is wearing as a badge of honor that they conserve water, that they use green electricity, that they do everything right, that they are the example to the nation or even to the world of how great they are with the environment. Fine. Stop letting your fresh water flow through your rivers and your reservoirs into the ocean that only benefits a couple of species when the human race, which I am advocating for as the most important species, is, is dying off. And uh, this poverty that's being created here in the United States, it's inconvenient, right, to put it lightly, but it's, it's causing a ripple effect around the world that's causing millions, not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, literally millions of deaths because people are living from day to day in other countries that live off of subsidies from the United States and the excess produce and grain that we're actual, actually able to provide because of the sustainable agriculture that we have here. And so when we're going through a hardship, they're going through life and death. And uh, so it's, it's a really big deal and it's something that we can actually handle. We, we, can, we can reduce by 20%. And California needs to participate in that. Um, we'll see the reservoirs go back up. We'll weather this drought and we'll be able to um, go on and without our society collapsing into chaos. This is all the time that we have today. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.